Hello and welcome to Back to Britpop. It's episode 10. I can't believe we're actually here, double digits. Uh, today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Morena from Salad. Morena was fantastic in this interview. Uh, we talked about the early days of Salad, how they got together, how they got signed, and the writing process with Paul, the guitarist. And then we moved on to also, you know, the current work that they're producing, which is, uh, you know, if you haven't already uh, reconnected with Salad, uh, their last couple of albums are really good. It's one of those things with Salad, I wish I'd paid a bit more attention to them you know, back in the 90s because I've gone down a bit of a salad rabbit hole recently and sort of reacquainted myself with some of their work and it's it's really sublime amazing tracks and lyrically uh, sonically it's it's really really good anyway I hope you really enjoy the interview there's a really embarrassing moment at the beginning which I won't uh, divulge now but we left it into the podcast enjoy the interview I'll be back at the end welcome to the podcast Mariana from salad how are you <laughs> Shall I correct you first on my name? What? Would that be a good time to do it now? What did I do wrong there? <laughs> Mariana is very close, and I'm not. What did I'm I say? You. Uh, no, you said Mariana, but oh. actually, it's Morena. Oh. But it's oh, right. Feels... You know what? No, don't be stupid. No one gets it right. <laughs> Why should you? Why should you? There's a bloody I and a J in there. What are you supposed to do with that on this little island? Do you know what? I, I did research as well. Oh, and uh, I was like, I've got <laughs> it up. What was research? Do tell. I went, on, I went online, looked at some, some YouTube stuff just to make sure I heard other people say your name right. <laughs> um, so, anyway. It's Marina, like it's raining on the marina. 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 Oh my god! You know, I, and I forgive you fully. <laughs> right, let's try again. Brilliant. I think that should be part of the podcast, don't you? Oh, we'll leave it in then. Yeah, because I think obviously if you've been if you've been uh, putting up with this since the very beginning, then yeah, maybe yeah, we should just leave it in. Seventy-eight. <laughs> well, listen. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, anyway, and uh, um, how's how's things going for you? Obviously, we're in a difficult time at the moment with lockdown and everything. Have you had a good lockdown or a bad lockdown? Has it been? Well, lockdown is fully over, um, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Uh, and lockdown itself was all right, actually, because um, um, my son doesn't like to go out much anyway. We took him out of school anyway before lockdown because the school that he was in was failing him. He's, he's was in a special school because he's autistic. And um, so we were actually quite used to, we already knew we were going to have him home all the time. So actually, it was no big that nothing majorly changed for us. Yeah. Only recently has it got hard um, because we are now homeschooling him properly. And when I say homeschooling, I don't mean homeschooling. <laughs> I mean watching videos all day long. So and and trying to get him to do stuff is rather hard. And well, you know, salad. Uh, where do we start? Salad <laughs> um, keeps alive. Salad now is really, you know, you, you couldn't have more polarized sort of things happening in my life, you know. Yeah. Salad is the joy in my life. It keeps me feeling sane and like a person, you know, when, you know, on the other side, I'm, you know, I'm crying into my soup. But <laughs> um, so salad uh, coming back, which I knew you, you, you were going to ask about, has just been it's been a complete lifesaver for me. How's that manifested itself then? Did you just get together over like a Zoom or a pint or what, what was the situation to get you sort of going back together? Well, we got or... back together three years ago. So what happened was Paul and I uh, both 
ended up in a similar situation where we were both made redundant from our jobs um, late uh, 2015 and Paul picked up the guitar again we both shunned music for years and years it kind of that kind of happens if you've if you've you know had to say goodbye to something you really loved uh, which we did in 98 you kind of just go right <laughs> won't be doing that for a while so it was the time for him to pick up the guitar again do some solo gigs and I finally went to see one of them and, and he rocked it I was like oh gosh you were really good and I love that song relationship dust that was funny you are funny Hey, maybe we can bring the Merry Babes back together and do something together, I said. <laughs> and he said, yeah, all right. I went, okay. And um, we started doing some open nights, uh, which he was already doing on his own. And he would do two songs and I would come on for the third song and, you know, be absolutely shaking in my boots. Wouldn't be able to open my eyes while singing, you know, open, you know, one of one of the songs on B-Sides of Your Ma, things like that. Some songs that lent themselves well to acoustic guitar and, mm. and voice. It was terrifying, but we knew we had to see it through. And um, the first gig we did that we kind of said something about on Twitter, because we thought, well, we won't tell anyone about this gig. No, 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 no one must know. <laughs> then we thought, well, that's not very nice for the people that put us on, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, I think they might like some kind of promotion. So we put it on Twitter and, and uh, people turned up from all over the place. And that just, it just snowballed um, word of mouth and suddenly we were on the gig circuit. We brought on, um, the producer from Ice Cream that we, we our last album in 1997 and um, we ended up writing and recording every Monday night for a year because that's all we had uh, yeah. with all our jobs and, uh, and families and whatever else going on commitments all we had were Monday nights and sometimes Monday days um, and it took us a year to record uh, Good Love, Bad Love, which is um, our first real sort of comeback thing um, that we did, that Paul and I together did together. And, and we are the founding members of Salad. So it was kind of the first Salad comeback, really. Yeah. But disguised, clantily dressed, <laughs> if you like. Um, so, um, and that came out early 2017. And it was... Um, during that time that we were busy gigging as a twosome that we were offered to bring the band to get the band back together just like in the Blues Brothers yeah. uh, for a certain amount of money for a festival called um, Indie Days so yeah. it was a no-brainer to everyone except the drummer who just had moved way beyond being able to get back behind the drums and, and you know tour with the drum kit it's, it's labor intensive you know and, and, and drumming itself is really tough if you haven't done it for a while. Yeah, yeah. But we got um, multi-instrumentalist Donnie, Donnie Ross the Skinner um, <laughs> to, to um, brush up his drum skills and, um, and he took over the mantle. And there we were, a five-piece band again. So do you think the writing, the writing process on these sort of later recordings then and, and songs, was it, how different was it then to sort of early salad or... Uh, even as back as the Merry Babes in sonically, obviously a lot, and obviously through your life, so much has changed. 
So salad undressed was very much like going back to the Mary Babes, Paul and I together without any input from other people. And it, it, it became, it, it was the first song that really got us flowing was a song called um, Being Human, which is I think number one uh, on, on the album. And that was the song that, that told us that our writing magic that we had together, this thing that, that we could, just couldn't do with anyone else was still there after all these years. Mm. And it, it was like we'd never stopped writing. So that was the beauty of Salad Undressed. And then also we recorded it and wrote some of it in really the worst, horrible, mouse-filled, gutter of a flat in Westbourne, Westbourne Park Road in London. I really hated it. I hated it. I had to grit my teeth every time I went there and gone, I'm doing this for a good reason. We're doing good work here. And, <laughs> you know, it was a proper labor of love. Um, and we, we would do acoustic writings and, and a song called, um, a song called Princes and Fools and I Love the Doctor. Now, I Love the Doctor was recorded in one go. The vocal was recorded in one go and we wrote that with Donald on guitar, you know, going, no, go there. No, 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 that chord there. Do you remember what you played? No, I don't need to write it down. I'll remember it. Oh, I can't remember it. You know, frustrating yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it was now looking back on it, it it's already become this, this sort of um, rose-tinted glasses experience you know but mm. it was tough but we knew we had to do it mm. so then then uh it was time to write the salad way and we had like a hundred songs ready to edit down to an album's worth and these songs were from jams they were songs paul brought in they were songs i brought in some of charlie's some were donald's some were um written by Paul and Donald over the last 20 years. They, they kept writing together throughout um, when Paul hadn't put down uh, his guitar for a few years. So it was a real mishmash of stuff. And then the Salad Way ended up being really recent stuff, like written weeks before we went into the recording studio because suddenly we were all fired up mm. and started writing our best stuff. So, and that very much, the Salad Way, the reason the Salad Way um, is is like it is because suddenly it was five people came, came together and it was our joint venture very much instead of having a songwriter and dictating everything and where everyone should play we've never been like that we just can't we, we've never been able to have a boss although it's probably much wiser to have a boss but you're going to have very unhappy musicians well what, who were you listening to growing up then as a as a kid what what, what were your musical influences in Mine and Paul's, um, very different. So mine, my musical influences, I realized were quite male. Um, um, there was, started out with Queen and Freddie Mercury and 10CC and David Bowie. And uh, I was into the Stranglers. And so, yeah, I was very much into bands that my, you know, my boyfriends would introduce me to like the Stranglers and like The Cure and Duran Duran and yeah. telling somebody else this and I'm thinking, where are the females? Where are the females in this story? Why am I not listening to any women singing? And I realized that really I was more interested in the energy and the performance of how a, how a man uh, performs um, or it had to be 
sort of musical theater <laughs> and Paul will hate me for this, but I was a real big fan of Evita. Um, and you know, he always says, don't mention Andrew Lloyd Webber. It won't down <laughs> well. And I'm like, yeah, but I love musical theater. I love that bravado. I love the grandness. I love the storytelling. So I was just really interested in musicians and bands that told stories. When did you think you might want to do this for a living then? Because obviously you, your kind of route into music was always there. There's a misconception, isn't there, that you kind of came after the MTV stuff, but you were already, the Merry Babes were already fully formed and you were knocking on people's doors trying to, you know, get yourself heard. But what, how, early do you how early do you think you might have, you, you knew? Uh, I, well, um, I went, Paul and I became an item in 1985 and by 1986 we were already writing songs. And that's also 1986, the year that I started doing fashion modeling. Um, and by 1991, we'd, we'd already been uh, the Mary Babe for five years. And that's when I got the job at MTV through giving them a video of my band, the Mary Babes, to see whether they would play on the channel. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, the route, wh when I realized I wanted to do it for a living, um, I, I think, though, you can never say I'm going to make music for a living. True. <laughs> that, is, yeah. that is not something um, that, you know, it's very unlikely you're ever going to make a living out of it. But um, I'd always was, I was always interested in being a performer um, when I was modeling, when I was doing TV presenting and I was an artist, I was making films at school, I was painting and, and I was just, you know, I was a, an attention seeker. Um, and then Paul wooed me with this poetry and these songs, these poems set to music. And it was only when I started going out with him and I heard an ex-girlfriend of his singing on one of his songs on a cassette that I got really jealous. I went, well, if she can sing, I can sing too, you know. And Paul said, really, you can sing? I went, yeah, I can sing. And that's when we started writing and that's when the Mary Babes were, were born. So it was really Paul that found, that discovered that I had musicality. I mean, I could play piano and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I never practiced, you know, I had no discipline. Um, I found I was musical. Yeah, I didn't I, know. And I think as well, the thing that I think sets you apart from maybe other bands that were coming out of the ring around the same time is, is that theatrical kind of performance because you, um, as a front person on stage as well, there was a, a definitely like a, not I would say an alter ego, but it was definitely something that you could see was a performance, a, a literal performance going on when you were performing. There's a, a lot of performances, uh, the word there, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I do know what you mean, and I thank you for noticing it, because e even though I, I, I didn't set out to be like that, I couldn't be any other way. Yeah. And you know, quite often I'd go, oh, my God, I'm making such a fool of myself. I can't <laughs> help it. I can't help it. This is how I have to be. And I always never understood why people stood still singing their songs and thinking maybe I should stand still singing my songs maybe that would be a lot cooler but then I'd get really worried go oh my god I'm being really boring I'm standing still whoa and the arms flew out and I'm like yeah, oh yeah. I'm <laughs> you know and I, inv I inhibit I inhabit the songs I inhabit the stories that Paul tells with these songs and of course in the beginning they were all Paul's songs I, I, I had no you know, I just sort of had a little, I did a little bit here and there, but I would sing all of the lyrics that he would suggest. Now, 
you know, I go, I'm not singing that cool. I think it's not cool. It's not sexy. And mm -hmm. I want to change it to this. And, and we very much write together now. But back then I somehow managed to inhabit his ridiculously surreal lyrics that no one understood. But somehow I made them make sense with my performances. Yeah, because like even even looking at well, from what I remember of the era as well, is your even the names of your albums and 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 the singles were different, and they were just intriguing. Uh, was that it was a real deliberate thing for you guys to just be a little bit I want to say avant garde, but was it? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it must have been a deliberate decision to say, right, we're not going to have "Baby I Love You" as an example for a rubbish um, uh, single. Thing. But there's Diminished Clothes and Your Ma and On a Leash and Drink the Elixir, which was one of my favourite songs of the era kind of thing. But they all, they all just have this kind of, they're, they're enchanting, yeah. aren't they? Eerie feeling yeah. about them. Thank you. Um, when you asked, was it deliberate? Um, yes and no. So deliberate in terms of, well, we can't sing about I love you because that's just really dull. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't interest us because we're into the fall. We're into, you know... We're into um, the residents. We're into all these surreal bands. We're into Wire. We're into, um, well, you name it. You know, yeah, yeah, odd stuff. Um, but also, it wasn't deliberate because we simply couldn't. We couldn't just sing about "I Love You," and it was only in 1995 when I, I was um, invited onto the Help album, which there's a big hoo-ha about at the moment, of course, because it's just been re-released. Um, it was not until I sung that with Terry Hall and I sung some really soft, dreamy vocals, I was like, oh, I can do this too. This is interesting. I can sing about love as long yeah. as it's subverted somehow. So the reason we called the album The Salad Way that we released yes, uh, yesterday, last year in August, uh, it's called The Salad Way because we always have to subvert it. We just can't, we can't do it any other way. It's really boring. It's like, oh, listen, this is all very nice, but it's not a salad, is it? Right? I mean, oh, that's better. Now that's the salad way. And that's what we used to say in rehearsal studios again and again and again. It's like, okay, well, that's got to be the name of the album. Anyone, but it means something to us. With the first album, am I right in, in what I'm reading? Uh, that you, you self-produced it and you, you released it on your own uh, label before Ireland got involved. Yes, this is right. So the first album, I think you're talking about Singles Bar, which uh, were in fact, was in fact three EPs put together. Um, Ireland did actually um, put it together for us and it was their idea, but the three EPs that make up Singles Bar were self-released. Um, so the first one was Kent, the Kent EP. We recorded that with a gentleman called Graham Holdaway, who sadly passed away last year. He also demoed in his studio, the same studio, um, with Seymour, who became Blur. Um, and he basically was the one person, um, after knocking on many, many doors, he was the only one that said, yeah, come on, I'll, I'll listen to your demos and maybe I can help you record some stuff and we'll do it on points and we'll do it on downtime and yeah. And um, I had a, I have a Dutch wife, so yeah, you know, there was lots of there was connections there. Yeah, there was a connection. There was the Dutch connection. He had gone out with Sonia Christina from uh, Curved Air, and we we covered a Curved Air song for a Childline uh, charity album. Um, so anyway, that was much later, but the connection was there. So he took us in and he recorded. Um, we recorded about five or six tracks there. 
and we and it was his idea that we should put it out on an album on a record label that had a, you know something a pun 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 a punny name so we called it Waldorf Records very good very good Graham um, and of course we didn't know later on how much the salad punning would get annoying in the Melly Maker and the Enemy but now you know um, we we just love it we we take the we take the puns as far as yeah. we possibly can now i have dive i have digressed this is what i do um so yeah the, so the kent ep and then diminished clothes single had three tracks on it and then on a leash actually was uh island was involved in that um i think it was their first thing that they did with us they gave us some money to do some b-sides and they also paid for the video um and we were off and they thought what we'll do is we'll put them together and we'll do it as an import an ex import from in Germany only to make it attractive and I think I think it's actually my favorite salad record it's 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 ultimate salad it's 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 quint quintessential salad when you got um, pulled on tour uh, or when you got that first tour with Blur with doing like a, the sugary tea tour in 93 Sugary tea tour. they they did all sorts of um, things they did a peer south peer tour you know how did that come about were you because you were label mates or was it was not as a not as you weren't label mates were you actually we making that we weren't label mates but we knew andy ross and we had you know we, we before we were, we were signed to ireland and before we did anything andy ross was um who was head of um, food records together with them um, the guy with the big house in the country can't remember his name now um balf that's it, David Balf. Um, they were running food records that blower on and, and Andy Ross, um, I had accosted him many times about the Merry Babes and he came to a lot of Merry Babes gigs and he would always say the same that he always said to Blur as well. He'd say, you know, you're good live, but who's gonna listen to your records? <laughs> and um, can you stop smiling so much when you're on stage? It's not cool, you know. Anyway, he decided not to sign us, uh, but we obviously were on Blur's radar because of that. And we did have a manager and a press officer and Island Records were on the case as well. And we, they, they sweet talked Blur into um, checking us out at Bullengate and things like that. And, they, and they, they, they decided, yes, we'll take you on tour. You know, there was a buzz. I mean, there was the girl fronted indie band thing going on um, and a last together with Elastica and Sleeper and Echo Belly. Yeah. And, Annie Monroe and Salad, we were like a thing, you know? Yeah. It was the first scene that we were part of. It was very exciting. Yeah, did it, did it annoy you a little bit? Because uh, I've been sort of, whilst reacquainting myself with the era, I've been kind of looking back at the ladism aspect of that whole era. And yeah. um, it, I mean, it hasn't aged well at all. I mean, and it is quite embarrassing, some of it. And did, were you a part of that? Did you, you, you recognise it? Was it an issue or was it just, you had to just well, stick together with the bands that you... you, you so I, I never really saw myself as a female fronting band to start off with. Um, like, you know, like I was talking about in the beginning, I was just into performing uh, and I was a person and I was doing my thing and I happened to have long legs and some boobs and I, you know, and I, I happened to have long hair and I happened to be able to dance, but none of that, I, n I didn't use any of that in a sort of a feminine way. So I didn't feel like I was a female front of the band anyway. Mm. I was never offended by it because I was just floating on a cloud somewhere else doing my thing, doing my art. And 
and probably naively not taking it seriously. Mm. Um, there was a, I noticed much later on when we went on tour, um, our own sort of headline tours across, you know, Europe, I noticed then that the male people in the crew would not want to hear my suggestions about anything because I was just being a diva, even just talking to them and asking them for advice. That's where I noticed the sexism. Mm. Um, I was very upset in the press when my bum was talked about. Yeah, God, yeah. <laughs> Remember a picture being printed at a gig at the Water Rats at King's Cross and there was a picture of us on stage and my, and it was my posterior as I was bending over in a sequined gray, sequined gray slacks that I had made myself, but still it wasn't very flattering. And I always thought I had a big ass anyway. So that wasn't very nice. Um, I don't think you can get away with that now. You'd hope that it wouldn't be important, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I was quite naive and I, I wasn't getting on my high horse enough probably for the likes of the other girls fronting the bands probably because I wasn't I wasn't this sort of hard feminist and I wasn't intellectually challenging anyone I was yeah. just doing my crazy surreal silly art and I was having a lot of fun so what's the future of, of, of uh, Salad? I mean, what, I mean, obviously COVID and everything has put a stop to a great deal of uh, aspirations and, uh, or plans even. And what, what, what do you see yourself doing in, if 2020 uh, one ever gets off the ground properly? Well, we had to think outside, think outside the box like everybody else. I've been doing some live Facebook um, listening parties. They've been really fun. And we're up, the next one is going to be Good Love, Bad Love. Um, by Salad Undressed but what we are doing as a band I mean we had to cancel we had a tour uh, scheduled to promote The Salad Way and uh, we have not seen each other as a five piece because one of us is living with someone who's at high risk mm. um, and we are trying to record new tracks remotely um, which everyone else is getting on with but I seem to be getting very distracted by real life stuff and finding it very hard to find time. Um, but the plan is to get a new mailing list, a new website together, build up a new mailing list by recording a track, releasing a track free every month. And if you join the mailing list, then you get your free track. Um, and then see if we get up to an album's worth and then we put them all together. Um, so we just sort of churn out new tracks and record them as they go. Well, I'll let you go in a second, Marina, but what I'll just one quick question is, if you could pick one song that's, uh, that means the most to you from all your back catalogue, I'll put you on the spot a little bit here. Like, okay, what... let's get iTunes out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let me just get my folder out, my salad folder, because you are putting me on the spot. Um, um, anything that sort of any, anything that sort of you feel most proud of, or, or essentially just even your best favourite song to play live, even. To be honest with you, I am most most proud of the Salad Undressed record, but that's not what you want to hear. You want something from the nineties, I suspect. Well, no, I mean not really. If if that's if it's something that sonically does it for you now, and it's coming from a different place, then absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I the thing that I'm proudest of at the moment is is not even the salad way which was recorded last 
year. Um, it is Good Love, Bad Love, which was done with Donald Ruskin and Paul Kennedy and myself. Um, and I think recently the track that I've been enjoying a lot um, is called Nowhere Near on that. Um, people mistake mistakenly think that it's an acoustic album. It's very much not an acoustic album. We mm. started out as an acoustic duo, but the recordings are fully formed, <laughs> full band recordings, although the drums are totally programmed, but they're so good you can't tell. Yeah. Um, even though I say so myself. Um, I think if you haven't, I don't know if you know the album, Good Love, Bad Love. If you don't, please go and seek it out. It's on Spotify and every, everywhere else. And it's just, it's showcasing songwriting more than anything else. And it's also showcasing, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks of us. This is what we love to do. Mm. Um, and it's, it's a journey. It's a musical journey. It's storytelling. And there's lots of different genres. And there's a few acoustic songs. And it's just... It's heavenly yeah. and um, I'm I you know I know I'm not supposed to say that about our own art but what's you don't make art to make bad art you make it you try and make it as good as possible and we're really really proud of this I think everyone should hear it Marina uh, I'm glad I've got your your, your name com, com, it's I think you said it beautifully and perfectly <laughs> then I like I feel like I know you I've known yeah. you for years <laughs> I just want to say a massive thank you for coming on uh, the podcast and speaking to me about salad all things salad it's been absolutely fantastic and uh, candid and brilliant and it's been uh, a real pleasure after the day I've had you've properly cheered me up thank oh, you excellent all right take care then Best. thank bye. you bye bye Thanks again to Morena. I really appreciate her talking to me. It was such a really good, candid chat about Salad Old and New. If you haven't checked out the latest couple of albums from Salad, I really recommend them. They're fantastic listens. Good Love, Bad Love from 2018, which is the Salad Undressed work that they did. And the Salad Way from 2019, uh, well, last year, is, is really good. Really good, really good stuff. So please check it out. I hope you're really enjoying the podcast. Um, it's been fantastic, as I said on the on previous episodes. If you haven't already written a review, please go onto iTunes and do so and give us a rating as well. And I'm on social media as well, so just search for Back to Britpop. Thanks again for listening. See you soon. <laughs>